Yeah, I've had, I've, I have personally, and I've had friends cancel plans on me last minute because of whatever reason. Like, I'm not neurotypical. We'll get that out of the way real early on. Like, I have, my brain is a fuck. Um, Yeah, I hear ya. I think we're all yeah fucking in the brain. So so when my friend is like, "Hey, my body hurts. I can't make it to this thing we had planned." I'm never like, "Oh, fuck her!" Like, uh, I can't believe I only for you would I do this or deal with this or handle this fact that you're sick or otherwise incapable of doing. You would make them some soup to heat up later, though. I would make them soup that was currently hot and stay with them. Like, if I had something else to do, maybe I'd make soup to heat up later. But yeah, it's just... I feel like there's a lot of lack of empathy. And this may be, like, a, a kind of privilege from the point of view of, like, how closely I value my friends, but... Like, holy shit, they're your friend. Show some goddamn compassion. You like them, allegedly. Actually, Alleged- Actually, I'm going to call you out on your aplatonophobia. Uh, that's because fair. Anna is an aplatonic f- character, and whatever. <laughs> I'm not even going to finish that. For a moment, I was okay. like, oh no, did I say something wrong? But no, I'm... No, it's just like... Uh, goddamn. If you like somebody, and you want to call them your friend... You should never feel put out about, or if you do feel put out about having to take care of them when they're sick at an unfortunate or inconvenient time, you wouldn't, I would hope at least, hold it against them. As hard as Anna seems to be holding Kate getting the stomach flu against her. Okay. It's annoying. Um, Yeah. I think we've we've Mm -hmm. touched on hammered that point home quite well Uh, I'll take a crack at this next bit because I haven't had a chance to read yet Uh, the roads are clear as I set off from Vancouver Washington towards Portland in the I-5 it's early and I don't have to be in Seattle until 2 this afternoon you work in the afternoon Anna no no she'll get back home at like well okay I guess we'll cover that but okay Fortunately, Kate's lent me her sporty Mercedes CLK. I don't know anything about cars. What does that mean? It means that Kate is a college student with a fucking high-end Mercedes Benz. What? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. A Mercedes CLK is... It's... It's... it's I drive a 10-year-old Ford Escape, okay? And you make big girl money now. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? For where I live, I don't make it. No, it, it's a whole thing. Yeah, but just like a Mercedes CLK living in Vancouver, Washington. How owning or renting the apartment from Kate's parents, all of this stuff that comes together is like, you live in this bubble of wealth that I don't think you appreciate the full enormity of. Right. Okay. Uh,. I'm not sure Wanda, my old VWB beetle, would make the journey in time. Oh, the Merc is a fun drive, and the miles slip away as I floor the pedal to the metal. <coughs> Bad. I floor the Bad. pedal to the metal. Like, I've I've ripped this line apart on my own I hate it. many times, because I've seen it before. And it's just... It's just... Nothing says well, like, how thing- do you do, fellow children, like I floor the pedal to the metal. 
<laughs> I would also like to point out that in her own like internal monologue, she's like, "Oh, the Merc is a fun drive." That's a weird thing to say, unless she's like, because because like back to my own writing for a quick second, I do that with the Louis story I'm working on, but that's how he talks. He's like, "Oh yeah, this car's a fun drive." Like she purrs real smooth, that kind of thing. But he's got a voice, so I don't know what the fuck that El James is trying to come across with here. This this pretty much establishes that she's definitely speeding, right? Like she's taken her friend's car with like with her friend's license plate and stuff. So if she gets caught in a speed trap, it's her friend who's going to get the ticket, and then mm-hmm. she's just speeding. Yeah, that seems like the kind of thing that Anna would do based on our previous assessment of her personality. Like, um, I understand driving okay. a car different than your own is a very weird feeling. Like I'm very used to like my own cars, hiccups, and nonsense. My sisters both have the same model of car, just models. Bonnell years newer so if i drive one of their cars it's very different but never in my own eternal monologue am i like oh wow this is a fun drive i'm gonna the miles are gonna slip away as i floor the pedal to the metal like (laughs) a number one don't speed don't be that dick b number two floor the pedal to the metal nobody speaks like that Nobody speaks like that. The boys are back in town! (laughs) Uh, My destination is the headquarters of Mr. Gray's Global Enterprise. It's a huge 20-story office building, all curved glass and steel, an architect's utilitarian fantasy, with with Gray House written discreetly in steel over the glass front doors. I want to pause here for a second because the Grey House here in my hometown is actually a very important hub of, uh, for LGBT folk, for people of color, for, it's wonderful. It's a great place with like, you can go, I think they would probably let you in at night to sleep there if you needed a place, but they're awesome. Um, so I'm insulted that this is the name she's chosen, even though I know it was a complete coincidence. Um. I would also like to point out that I don't think curved glass and steel is utilitarian. It's not. I yeah, the phrase on architect's utilitarian, fa- like, I, I said this to D earlier, but like, an architect's fantasy is not going to be utilitarian. It's going to be no. the wildest, weirdest, like, La Sagrada Familia. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like the fucking bubble building they built in Toronto that's just like, that is curved glass and steel, and it looks fucking baller. I also want um, to bring up that this is the first all X and Y, and I'm going to call every single one of those out, because all X and Y is a huge fanfiction fan fiction writing shorthand that bothers the fuck out of me, because all curved glass and steel doesn't tell me dick about the building. It sounds like it tells me something about the building. It has some descriptive language in it, but it doesn't actually say anything. All curved glass and steel could look like anything. Right. And I think I think I've used all X and Y once in one of the major pieces I'm writing, which is actually supposed to be erotic fiction. Peter Peter's read it. I don't know if D's gotten eh. through it, but it's fine. Um, but the re- I did it once. I described a character as entirely angles and edges, and then I immediately contrast him with his lover, who is rounded and curved. Yeah, but curvy. All X and Y isn't inherently bad. It's just when it's used in right. lieu of any actual description beyond that right. that it's just like right. oh, 
This building is all curved glass and steel. I'm primed now to hear a further description of it with the mental overlay that this is meant to be curved glass and steel and something else. But it's like, oh no, it's all curved glass and steel. That's all you know about the building. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, so it's like bubble wrap where all the glass is bubbles and then the steel connect. Okay. So it's a bubble wrap building made out of glass and steel. That's that's my mental image now because I've given given nothing else. Um, I could I could see it being used like on its own as a descriptive thing, but like only in something like like cosmic horror, which would be an yes. interesting way to read Fifty Shades of Grey. But just like like trying to describe some like incomprehensible eldritch monstrosity, and you just say something like it it's all, all eyes and teeth, it's yeah. all eyes and teeth, and then you just like but because that's all you can comprehend and perceive about it, like you can't. You can't describe what it looks like because looking at it for too long makes your brain eat itself. Which is another um, way to use that, but this is like a, it's a building. This is just it's a 20-story yeah, this building. Is just, all curved it's glass a 20-story steel. building. Well, oh, oh we're gonna get to some stuff. We're gonna get to some stuff about the build. Like, I've got some opinions about the design choices of Grey House. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to hear them. It's a quarter to two when I arrive, great, greatly relieved that I'm not late as I walk into the enormous, and frankly intimidating, glass, steel, and white sandstone lobby. Behind the solid sandstone desk, a very attractive, groomed, blonde young woman smiles pleasantly at me. She's wearing the sharpest charcoal suit jacket and white shirt I have ever seen. Gay. She looks immaculate. Gay. I'm here to see Miss Gray, Anastasia Steele for Catherine Cavanaugh. Excuse me one moment, Miss Steele. She arches her eyebrows slightly as I stand self-consciously before her. I'm beginning to wish I'd borrowed one of Kate's formal blazers rather than my wear my navy blue jacket. I have made an effort and worn my one and only skirt, my sensible brown knee-length boots, and a blue sweater. For me, this is smart. I tuck one of my escaped tendrils of hair behind my ear as I pretend she doesn't intimidate me. I don't hate that last line. I don't hate it. Here's, here's my thing. Gray, gray house, it's supposed to be very kind of, like, like sterile and clean and professional looking, and like, like, obviously very expensive as well, like, it's obviously, you know, it's, it's the headquarters of, like, a multi-billion dollar company, and sandstone, like, they just Isn't doesn't- sandstone really, like, cheap and it, breakable? Yeah. yeah, sandstone is, is like a cheap, shitty stone, and you build things out of sandstone because you are, like- a coastal community and sandstone is all you can quarry. You don't, like, import sandstone and, like, have a solid sandstone desk. You have something fancier than that. You have, like, marble or slate or, like... Right. Okay. Something classy. Okay. But E.L. James doesn't know anything about anything. And so sandstone sounds... It's got a lot of syllables. It sounds like a good stone. So I guess I'll just pick that one out of my wikipedia.org slash wiki slash list of different types of rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I also, navy blue jacket, brown knee-length boots, blue sweater, and skirt a skirt of something. Not, some the skirt, skirt is impre- in, in appearance, but not in description. That is, the only thing I can think of is... Uh, doesn't the main character in Devil Wears Prada wear something super similar in one of the opening scenes? She does! That's the scene where Meryl Streep uh, criticizes her her blue cardigan 
Because she's like, oh, yes. you think you made this fashion choice yourself, but actually this is the lineage of that color and cut, and why you got it at a bargain bin was specifically because of these decisions that I made. Right. So, yeah, there's, I don't know, that's a little, that's a little uh, naughty, I think. I don't think anybody else has pointed that out in any of the stuff I've read about this book, but, um... Where am I going? Okay, here we go. I also I feel like it's you can you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like it might be a bit of a fan fiction trope to just like to describe what a person is wearing in that in that kind of specific way where it's like my blue jacket and brown boots and blue sweater because you're essentially just like describing a, like yourself insert like a dress up doll and like here are the clothes I want to put them in for this scene instead yeah. of having it seem more organic and kind of naturally described. It's it's right. a very difficult thing to figure out how and when and why you describe a character's outfit because sometimes the outfit is very important to the scene, other times the outfit is important to the character. So having somebody kind of self consciously describe what they're wearing in a first-person narrative, can be a very valid choice, because somebody who's wearing something they're uncomfortable in will be more aware of what they're wearing and why and how it makes them feel. Um, but I would I would still... I don't know. It, it's a, a weird shorthand to just be like, blue jacket, brown boots, knee-length skirt, instead of like, I was fidgeting with the cuff of my borrowed blue jacket. Uh, that Kate had loaned right. me to like, like just and sitting there and kind of fidgeting with it and noticing that that's what you're fidgeting with, and then from I was fidgeting with the cuff of my of my blue jacket, it wasn't as smart as one of the like blazers Kate, I could have way. borrowed from Kate, and the stitching was coming a little bit loose at the bottom of the sleeve there, but it was still the smartest thing that I owned. Yeah, and, and that's the sort of the description yeah. that you could then bleed into like. I wasn't really certain if my blue sweater underneath this blue jacket actually looked good, but two blues go together, right? And then brown and blue yeah. make sense, which is why I picked yeah, my that, brown that books. You learn something about the character from there. You, right. you, you learn like about her thought processes and about how she sees herself, and kind of her self-consciousness right. is, is presented to you in a way that isn't just, I felt self-conscious. It's it's right. kind of... And, and, and it's like... It's this whole thing. People say this all the time and they don't know what it means, but show, don't tell. Show me she doesn't really know how to dress herself by doing something like what Peter said, which is like, I don't know if my outfit's that. I'm fidgeting with my sweater. I just noticed the cuff is starting to fray and now I'm starting to worry because now I think I might look like shit. Yeah. That tells us a lot about the character without a description. On the page, yeah, you know? and it, it is something difficult to get down. So if there's anybody like any aspiring writers who are listening to this and they're like, "Oh no, I don't know if I'm doing that right," that's totally fine. It's it's easy and it's totally acceptable to be like, blue jacket, blue sweater, some color skirt that goes down to my knees, and then brown boots. That's that's fine. But when you're at a level where you're trying to like, E.L. James is trying to be something that she's not. It's it's something that you would have picked up in editing. Right. And, and in a first draft, something like that's totally fine. Like, I don't give a shit. In, in my first drafts, I have, like, just random notes where it's like, Bells is wearing black vest, white shirt, purple tie, black jacket, black pencil skirt, stilettos. 
Like, you just kind of like... I'm gay now. Oh, yeah. Find a good way to describe this in the text. Note for D later. Exactly. Like, you, right. you just do things like that. Because it's shorthand. It's easy to get across. But when yeah. you're editing... And, and, God, yeah. it's just... Nah. Um... Okay, let's 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 try to slog through the rest of this chapter. No. Uh, Miss Kavanaugh is expected. Please sign in here, Miss Steele. You'll want the last elevator on the right. Press for the twentieth floor. There, sh- that should be a separate sentence, not a comma. She smiles kindly at me, amused, no doubt, as I sign in. You, she was just smiling pleasantly, and now she's smiling kindly. Couldn't you have used a different word there? Is she grinning now? Um. She hands me a security pass that has visitor very firmly stamped on the front. I can't help my smirk. Surely it's obvious that I'm just visiting. I don't fit in here at all. Nothing changes, I inwardly sigh. Oh, I forgot that line was in there. I have so many problems with this. I inwordly sigh. It's just just a bad phrase. I mean, I I I can't interrogate it from a literary perspective. It's just bad. It just sounds bad in my mouth. Well, it's like, you can have an inward sigh, like, you can sort of be like, oh boy, this again. But you don't narrate it to yourself like that. You're, it would have just been okay, not great, but she could have just said, I don't fit in here at all. Nothing changes. Full stop. Move on. Yeah. Next thought. It's, it's, mm. surely it's obvious like, I'm just visiting, I don't fit in here at all. And then inwardly sigh right after that is like... <sighs> You've just made so many assumptions about literally everything around you instead of explaining yeah. it to me as to why I should agree with you. It's just... <sighs> yes. Thanking her, I walk over to the bank of elevators past the two security men who are both far more smartly dressed than I am in their well-cut black suits. As an American, the el- interruption. As an American, we don't describe ourselves as dressing smart. Like, that's not something we say. Like... I've never mm-hmm. once I've I've seen it written, but I would never yeah. internally be like, "Oh yes, they're they're dressed smartly." That's not how I describe yeah. people. So <sighs> sharp, well smart, sharp, love. sharp. Yes, smart. No. Uh, the elevator whisks me with terminal velocity to the twentieth floor. She's dead now, thank God. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the doors slide open, and I'm in another large lobby. Again, all glass, steel, and white sandstone. All X and Y, does that count? Yeah, that it does. Counts. It does. It's, all... it's the second all blanky blank. I'm confronted by another desk of sandstone, and another young blonde woman dressed impeccably in black and white who rises to greet me. Miss Steele, could you wait here, please? She points to a seated area of white leather chairs. I hope she doesn't have her period. That would be really embarrassing. I know. That's what all I could think of at the same time was like, no. That's how, that's how Christian Grey screens all his submissives. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You leave a streak say- on the chair and he's like, that, that she's got to go. Don't say that. Don't say these things. <laughs> I sit down, fish the questions from my satchel and go through them, inwardly cursing Kate for not providing me with a brief biography. Don't you-, you gave a biography earlier. You have a smartphone, Anna, don't fine. you? No, she doesn't. We know she doesn't. We don't know. You, we know she doesn't. Yeah, we know, but in the story it's like, why Why don't you just Google? Wait, when did this come out? Hold on, hold on. Let me check the copyright date here. 2011. No. Smartphones were a thing. You should have at least the ability to Google something really quick. Right, and shouldn't you have done that before you left home? 
Right. Like, if you don't have a like, she's a poor college student. She might not have data. Just fucking. But surely they have Wi-Fi and Steelhouse or Great. <laughs> what the fuck do they call it? Gray House. Gray House. It's just. I'm gonna call it Roadhouse. <laughs> Roadhouse. It's just like if you knew you were going to go somewhere where you didn't have internet, like go to Wikipedia, type in Christian Gray really fast, just print the entire thing. And and this this is this is definitely a generational thing because nobody our age would be like going into this completely blind because we're not we're such a an information based generation that if we don't know something and we we know how to look it up like we know how to find stuff like there's no excuse for anna to be this sheltered it hasn't been established that she's like a mormon or like an ex-amish girl or something which would make sense based on how technologically stupid she is but I mean, and people are bad at technology, but they still know how to use Google. So there, right? there's literally no reason for this to be a thing in this story unless she's trying to paint Anna as some kind of idiot moron. So, okay. oh, God. Okay, I hate this next bit. But uh, behind the leather chairs is a spacious glass walled meeting room with an equally spacious dark wood table and at least 20 matching chairs around it. Beyond that, there is a floor to ceiling window with a view of the Seattle skyline that looks out through the city toward the sound. It's a stunning vista and I'm momentarily paralyzed by the view. Wow. Oh, I hate that. Don't you don't I never say I say wow out loud. I don't say it in my own fucking head. Or, like, or if I feel a sense of awe, like, I don't, like, my internal monologue is not, wow. My internal monologue is, like, overwhelmed with the sensory experience of standing in a building and looking out and seeing just everything around me when I usually right. can't. It, but, <sighs> so, just, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <Yeah>. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Owen Wilson voice? Wow. Ah. Uh. Wow! Oh no, actually, I'm submissive hold on. Owen Wilson. <laughs> I, uh, I sorry, I somehow flipped a paragraph there. So now she says, "I sit down, fish the questions from my satchel, yeah. and go through them." Inwardly cursing Kate for not providing me with a brief biography. I know nothing about the man I'm about to interview. How? That's a lie. Um, he could be ninety or he could be thirty. The uncertainty is galling, and my nerves resurface, making me fidget. Why don't you just fidget instead of saying it made me fidget? I don't know. I've never been comfortable. Oh, no, no, I hate this. Anna has no agency, even with her own fidgeting. It's always something making her do stuff, never because she chooses to. It's always passive voice. I've never... Can can we get through this next line because it makes me want to put a bullet through my skull? I've never been comfortable with one-on-one interviews, preferring the anonymity of a group discussion where I can sit inconspicuously at the back of the room. To be honest, I prefer my own company. Reading a classic British novel, curled up in a chair at the campus library, not sitting twitching nervously in a colossal glass and stone edifice. Fuck yourself. I read that in a Squidward voice because this character (sighs) is Squidward. This character is Squidward. This is Squidward fan fiction. Guys, 